little different weather than what we've been accustomed to here lately, eh? <laughs> but I'm thankful for the seasons and the changes that comes with them. Uh, I've got, I know a lot of folks that don't like cold weather, but when you're a big fella like me, the only thing warm weather does is make you stink and sweat. <laughs> I can only take so much clothes off and be modest and still get hot and bothered, you know what I mean? But uh, I can always put more clothes on in the wintertime and get cozy. Amen, amen. Well, we've been studying gratitude for the last few weeks here, and we're going to continue on that theme as we approach the Thanksgiving season. And, you know, we have so much to be thankful for. The enemy wants to take our eyes off of everything that God's given us, and he'll have us focus on one or two little things. It was a, the same old trick the devil played in the Garden of Eden, and he's playing it still with us today. He'll take all the focus off of all the blessings that we, we have, and he'll put it on that one thing that we don't have. Look at here. If God really loved you, he'd really give you this, right? Well, sometimes be thankful you, you don't get what you wish for, you know? Thankful that we don't get some of the things that we want because those things that we might want would, uh, would not be good for us, either spiritually or, or, or physically or some other means. Amen. So before we start, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, we just come before you and Lord, I thank you so much for your son Jesus and the, and the gift that he's given us through the sacrifice of his life for us that we may be made right and we call one another brothers and sisters because of that sacrifice that we can know you lord and we can be uh, members of your family and we have all these brothers and sisters that we can can come together with and be united with with one purpose and one cause and that's to bring glory and honor to your name lord um, Father, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would fall on us and in this place today that we might be thankful for what you have given us through the fellowship and the brotherhood that we know as fellow believers. Lord, we, we thank you so much for the faith family we have here at Harvest and Father, the, the, the family that we have with other believers that go to other churches in this, in this uh, community and throughout this world. We can be connected today with believers on the other side of the earth. Lord, that brings to mind a special prayer for, for Jeff Frederick and the work that he's doing in, in Ukraine and Romania and Bulgaria and those areas over there as he's bringing uh, the word to those young Christian leaders over there in a predominantly Muslim area, Lord. So, Father, we just ask that you would bless the, the, the fruit of his labor over there and the fruit of his lips, that he might bring more people to know you as their Lord and Savior. So we ask, Father, that you bless him, and I don't know when he's coming back, but I pray that, uh, that you would uh, bring him home safe to us. We thank you for, uh, well, I just call him, I jokingly call Jeff's family the, the Frederick Family Missionary Coalition because he and his whole family have served you all over the world. So, Lord, we just pray for, for those also that are everywhere else as well. I know that uh, Jesse and... Emily Fuller in South Africa, and Jeff is there, and I'm not sure if Abigail's back in Australia or not, but 
And Lord, we just pray for them all, Lord. We thank you for their lives and the lives that they've given to you in your service. Lord, as I began to, to prepare for this for this this word today, it was just overwhelming to me as, as it brought to light many memories from the last 20 years of what fellowship with fellow believers has meant to me over these past years. So Lord, as we study, I just pray that that you would place that that seed in the minds of those who are here that lord that that we can be grateful for our church family and for the, the believers that have worked with us and helped us throughout the, the years in our growth as christians so lord we just ask that you that you be glorified today in jesus name we pray amen amen and our scriptures today are going to start we're going to come out of uh Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 47, and Romans 3, 23 through 24. Um, but just to give you a little context, as we know in the book of Acts, basically it was as, as, as Luke uh, giving Theopolis a rundown of what actually occurred at the beginning of the early church after Jesus uh, was ascended, right? And the Holy Spirit came and fell upon the, on the disciples, and it says that when it came down, it came down with a rushing wind, and like tongues of fire spread out and touched each and every one of the disciples. And, and that Holy Spirit that God, Jesus, had promised them came upon them. And they began to speak in other languages, right? And uh, people were really didn't know what to think about that. And one said that somebody said that they thought that they must have been full of new wine. They, built, they were drunk that they were able to do this. But this was during the, the context and the time was, was during the day of Pentecost. And there was a lot of people in Jerusalem that day from all over the, the known world at that time. And they began to hear these, these disciples, these now apostles. Because when that Holy Spirit's power came upon them, they went from just being mere followers of Jesus to making followers of Jesus. They became disciple makers. That power came on them and they had a boldness about them that they didn't fear any longer for their lives because they had witnessed the resurrection of the Lord Jesus whom they loved and whom they served. So they're sitting there and these, this loud rushing wind comes and everybody goes to investigate this sound in that upper room and they find tongues of fire touching these, these guys and they're speaking in native languages of people that are there that, that they, they're Galileans they say. How is it that there, we hear them speaking in our own language? And uh, the rundown of the list of, of people that were there who heard them speaking in their own turn, or in their own tongue, it says that, how is it then, this is chapter 2, verse 8, that each of us hears them in, our, in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Phrygia Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, and visitors also, both Jew and Greek, from Rome. All these people who are there for the Passover hear their native language being spoken, and these people are speaking their native language and praising God in it. And then we see Peter, who denied Jesus three times, right? who denied him three times, said he never knew the man, gets up and he speaks to the crowd and he begins to tell them how the Jewish people 
God loved so much he called them their own and he tried to reconcile himself with them time and time again, sent them prophets time and time again. And he says, you've killed all the prophets and now you've killed the Messiah. And after hearing this, and I think it's in Acts 2.37, they said, well, brothers, then what shall we do? And in 2.38, we know these verses. It says to be repent and be baptized, every one of you, into the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. And it says, with many words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 joined their number that day. So we have 3,000 people from all over the known world there that have come to put their faith in the Lord Jesus. You know, that was an exciting time back then. You know, and I, I thought about that, and it kind of paralleled with the times that when, when Harvest was first started. Many of you, there's several of you guys that were there, and that's when I came in because there was such an excitement about this new move of God that was taking place. And we were meeting in the uh, high school, Washington High School Auditorium. I don't know, we didn't even have a building, right? But there was an excitement, and all of us together came with one, one cause to one mission and one purpose. And we created this mission statement that says that we are to engulf the community with the love of Christ. To, to train and equip workers for the harvest. Remember those days, guys? It was an exciting time, and we, we were excited. We saw young people coming to know the Lord. My son Nathaniel and many of the young people here who are now parents were involved with the youth group at, at, that, that was started at that time called Linked 180. You guys remember that? How many of you were Linked 180 members? There was a mighty move of God in this community. At that time, and there was an excitement because everybody wanted to show up and see what God was going to do next, right? Well, that same excitement, I, I believe, was taking place during this time in the early church. And these people loved each other. It didn't matter where they came from, what they looked like. Maybe they didn't even speak the same language, but they loved one another. And that love was contagious, and people saw that they were different. And Jesus himself said that they shall be known by the way that they love. Right? So that's kind of the context of where we're going in, in Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42. But I'm going to start at 40, 40, or 44, rather. I'm going to start at 42. And listen to this. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. So we see that, that those disciples that became apostles are now teaching the people. And they're doing it right there in the temple courts. If you look at uh, uh, verse 44, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. common. They sold their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bed, bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily to those who were being saved. So we see that excitement, don't we? We see that, that these people were for real. They had a hunger and a fire in their bellies to know Jesus. 
They just didn't want to know about him. They wanted to know him. They wanted firsthand information, so they went to the apostles. And the apostles who saw their Savior and their Messiah, the one that they had put their trust in for three years, being crucified on a cross and died, but he rose again. So that newfound boldness that they had, they went right into those temple courts and they began to teach people about Jesus and his resurrection. The power of the Holy Spirit gave them a boldness to do that. They didn't care about their own lives anymore, folks. Every one of those guys would end up, other than John, I guess he's the only one that survived. It wasn't because they didn't want to kill him. They boiled him in a vat of hot oil. And he survived, so after he survived that, they exiled him to an island. But all the other apostles of Jesus Christ died a violent death. They gave their lives for the one who gave his for them. So we see that being played out, that boldness and that, that, that zeal for Jesus being carried out in the lives of those apostles. And those 3,000 plus 120 on that day of Pentecost, they, they began to devote themselves to their teaching. They'd go to the temple courts every day. And that was very unusual back in ancient culture and even in the Jewish culture. You know, they might go to the temple once a month. But these guys met every day in the temple courts. And they would teach these new believers about Jesus and what he instructed them to do in the three years that he was with them. Every day... And those people who came, of those 3,000, a lot of them left family and home. Simon Cyrene was one of them, right? He came out of Libya, the, the Asia, Mesopotamia, all these different regions. They were there just to observe the Passover, and they were Jewish and by, by their faith before they became believers in Je Jesus. And they really probably didn't have any resources. They didn't have any way to live. They weren't home. They were in Jerusalem. So the love of God that flowed through the Holy Spirit into them began to show them what was really worthwhile and what was precious. And they began to sell their possessions in order to support those new Christians that were there. That's what that means. They devoted themselves to want everything or to one another, and they had everything in common. They had one common goal, and that was to see the kingdom of Jesus Christ enlarged to see his kingdom grow. So when you see that scripture, it kind of really doesn't, at first when I read that, it, I didn't really experience and understand the gravity of what that meant. They had everything in common because Jesus is everything. Jesus is my everything. And when you understand that, nothing else matters in this life. No possession that I can hold in my hands is as precious as that one who comes to know Jesus because that has eternal value. Eternal value. There's nothing that I can hold in my hands that's worth more than that. And when you understand that concept, then people are going to become precious to you, whether they look like you or not. This community we live in is filled with people that don't look like us. Amen. They don't speak like us. 
They don't have the same customs and traditions that we do. But they need to know Jesus. Just like us. We need to know Jesus. Those early Christians understood that. And they welcomed those people in to their homes. They gave to them as they had need to, to sustain them. And they became family. Just as you have become family to me. I gave my heart to the Lord in that auditorium 22 years ago where Harvest was meeting in the old high school auditorium. I rededicated my life there. And I found out what was precious. Because a lot of my life I spent being alone because I was full of fear. I didn't make very many close friends because I lost my best friend when I was 12 years old. His name was Nelson Chateau. Junior high PE class, he drowned. And I watched the life leave his body. And I really didn't want another friend because of fear of losing one. But when I give my heart to the Lord, God just didn't give me a bunch of friends, Shorty. He gave me you. And you're my brother. Virgil, all you guys that were there in those days, Merlin, my brothers. I love you guys, and I love you for what you've done for me and my family. And even in the hardest times that I've had in my life, my brothers were there for me. When I didn't think I needed anyone, I didn't know that I needed them, but I did. And when my son Nick died, they were there for us. That fellowship was precious to me because of those things. I didn't think I needed anybody, but now I know I need you all. <laughs> I need you so much. I, I, I love you and I thank you for the, for the fellowship that I have with you and the way that you loved on us through the hard times through the, and through the good times. We've, that's what fellowship's all about, right? We, we're together. We love one another. We can be there to support each other in the dark times, and we can be there to, to celebrate in the good times. And we've done a lot of that both ways. Both ways. So fellowship with fellow other believers is, is, is something to be thankful for. We can have that fellowship through the Lord Jesus. Amen? We can have that. We do have that. And it's up to us to take it and carry it out to others so they might know the hope that we have. And that's what that early church was doing. You know, and, and the reason they did that was because they were grateful. They were grateful because of the Lord Jesus and what he had done for them. Um, God had set them free from the bondage of the law. They were Jewish people and they had been living under the law so many years and it was just stifling them you know and they didn't have they thought God was far off but now they found out that God was in their midst and through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus in Acts chapter 3 it talks about that it says that they here let me turn to it I'm sorry Acts chapter 3 uh, Romans chapter 3 I'm sorry verses 20 through 23 and let me just read it to you it says therefore there no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law rather 
through the law, we become conscious of sin. We all acknowledge that, that we were sinners. We couldn't, we couldn't live our lives to fulfill the law. We couldn't, we couldn't live that good of a life because we're human. Only Jesus was able to live that law perfect, perfectly. But in verse 21, it says, But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. See, we see a freedom there, don't we? They found freedom through Jesus Christ. It wasn't about observing the law. It was about believing and putting your trust in the one who died for your sins. And that verse, it talks about redeeming. That redeeming is in a, a phrase in the Old Testament we see, and it refers to a price being paid to free slaves. We have been slaves to sin our whole lives, but Jesus Christ came and he purchased us through the, blood, the death, the blood of his death and the resurrection. We have, we have been freed. We're no longer captives. We don't have to be. That's what these folks were so excited and, and, and thankful for and grateful for. That's why they wanted to be together, because they understood and knew that God loved them enough to send his own son to die for them. And whoever would believe would have eternal life. That he could have that righteousness of God. They couldn't be good enough. They couldn't buy their way into God's good graces. But through Jesus Christ, he freely gave it. So what's that mean for us? I used to go into jails and I would try to explain that to those guys. And they had been told their whole lives that they weren't good enough. I used to believe that as well when I was a police officer and I worked and had to fight some of those guys to get them in jail but when I finally come to understand that we're all sinners we all fall short and sin deserves death it doesn't matter what we've done we're in the same boat we're all sinners saved by grace so what's that mean I used to tell those guys you're just as as bad as I am and I'm just as good as you are There's no difference in us. We all deserve death, but Christ came and he died for us. And I'm here to tell you that he loves you <laughs> because he loved me. And if that's not something to be thankful for, I don't know what is. You're good enough. Christ said so. He died for you. He died for you. If you can't find anything else to be grateful for, be grateful for that. Be grateful for that. And these people were grateful. They were so grateful for this newfound peace and freedom that they had through Jesus Christ. That They wanted to be together. They wanted to, to share exciting news about what was happening through Christ in their lives. So they devoted themselves to, to, the, to the teaching and, and to fellowship. It says that uh, they were together and they had everything in common. We have everything in common. We have everything in common. We're all 
sinners saved by grace. Amen. Nobody's any better than anybody else here from the least of us. God came and he died for the sinner, forgiven. It says every day they continued to meet together. We talked about that in the temple courts. They broke bread. When they talk about breaking bread here, it means that they, they shared in the, in the Holy Communion of, as, as, as Jesus had commanded them. They did that. But they did that in their homes because they, although they were meeting every day in the temple courts and they were pl- proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, they, 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 they had communion in their homes because as we know, they came from many different tribes, different tongues, and different nations. So they would come to people's houses who would speak the same language and they could observe the, pass, or the, or the communion meal together. And then they would eat. They would, they would share a meal together after they had communion. It, was just, it wasn't just about breaking the bread. That breaking the bread there talks about communion. But they also shared meals together in their homes. And they did it in their homes because they could come together with common people who had co- the common language in common with them and it would you couldn't probably couldn't fit 3,000 3,100 people who were believers of Christ at that time into the temple courts and try to get that done and the Jewish people would probably frown upon it anyway but they they met together in their homes and they they broke that bread and we're going to do that here we do it every Sunday we break bread and we share communion together just as they did. And they did it with glad and sincere hearts. Thankful hearts for what Jesus did. Thankful that they could come freely to the table of grace. Every, every week we have that opportunity. And I have known people who would reject coming to that table because they didn't feel worthy of it. Yeah, it says to examine our hearts. It really does. Well, we all examine our hearts, and we come up short every time, right? I don't know about you, but I'm not worthy of that table. But I go there because I want to be. Are you hearing me? I want to be. I know I fall short of where God wants me to be. And every time I look at that table, I'm reminded that's what Jesus wanted for us. He wanted us to remember that he died for us. And even though we weren't yet where we needed to be, he had eyes to see us the way that God sees us. He want the way that he wants us to be. And through that, that blood and his sacrifice and his body, he sees us as his children. And when we partake of that juice and we drink that bread or eat that bread, that's what it's for. To honor the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. We didn't deserve it. None of us do. But man, oh man, I sure am thankful for it, aren't you? With glad and sincere hearts, they praise God. Every day I wake up and I'm thankful for another day of life because I've lost too many people not to be. 
Not only am I thankful, I ask God, and I challenge you that this would be your prayer. Okay, Lord, today, put somebody in my life that I can make a difference in for your kingdom. Maybe it's an act of kindness. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Some way, somehow, Lord, let me be a, be a difference maker in somebody else's life the way you made a difference in mine. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be your servant. That's my prayer for us today, that we would have that same kind of fervor and zeal that these, these early, early believers had. That we might show the world who we belong to by the way that we live and the way we love. Because we can all talk, <laughs> you know. There's a whole bunch of guys in jail I know that know scriptures probably as well or better than I do. But living it out is a hard thing, right? But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can. We might not get it right every day, all the time, but every day is a victory. And that's what I love to encourage people about who are struggling with addictions or going through things. Every day, every day is a victory. Because one day leads to two. Two leads to a week, a week, a month, a month, a year, a year, a decade, and a decade turns into a lifetime of victory. And you can do it because you have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you that gives you the opportunity to. And I don't know if that gives, makes you grateful or not, but it does me because in my own strength, I can't do anything. But in Christ, I can do all things, right? Do you believe that? I pray that you do because it's true. It's true. So as I wrap up here today, I just want you to know that, that God loves you and that is something to really be grateful for because he didn't have to, <laughs> but he wanted to. He loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. And when we come to this table of grace, when we take that juice and that, and that bread, and we drink it down, I pray that you say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me enough that I could be right in the Father's eyes. And we can do that with other believers, that we can come together and we can share Holy Communion together to be encouraged by one another. I hope you, are you guys encouraged when you come together with us? I hope that you are. I hope that you understand and know how much you're loved because you are, you, you're precious to us. And, and if, if you don't, if you don't know the Lord that way and if you're not, feel like you're not worthy, hey, I want you to know I was there. <laughs> I've been there. For 25 years, I didn't step inside of the church doors because I felt my sin made me unworthy to even look those folks in the face. And I never will forget when I finally came back to church, that my church where I got saved at, and I don't know, I told you this story before, but after 25 years of not stepping foot through that door because Satan told me a lie that I wasn't good enough and I wasn't worthy, we were. it was a Mother's Day thing, and I was there baking biscuits with some of the guys for feeding the mothers on Mother's Day breakfast. And 
And I don't know if you guys know a guy by the name of Denny Baker or not, but Denny is a good brother, and, and I just uh, always admired him and, and loved him. And he and I were baking, baking biscuits together at the Assembly of God Jeff's Church. And I know it had to be God prompted him, but he just stopped what he was doing. He was pulling a pan of biscuits out of the oven, and he stopped, and he just turned, and he looked at me, and he said, Brad, it feels like you never left. Boy, that just broke me down. It feels like you never left. See, all those times I thought I was so far off, God was right there. He never left. And that lie, I knew that day that I believed the lie from God all those years. So if you're here, I hope that you understand and know that God's still there and he loves you. You're not far off from him. And as we prepare communion today, for communion, if you're here and you feel far off today, I pray that you come and let us pray for you and give you a word of encouragement because God loves you. We love you. We consider you family and we love you. So as we come to communion, I pray that if, if you're, you're hurting today, if